Seth Rollins is back. It's the grapple pie for the Raw after Extreme Rules. Welcome to another slice of Grapple Pie. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Daniel Swan, um, and we are talking about the WWE Raw from Monday, the 23rd of May 2016, the 1200th Raw ever um, emanating from Baltimore. Um, 1200 Raws, which is a, a pretty incredible milestone. Not technically a birthday, um, if I'm going to be pedantic, New Day. Not technically a birthday, but um, I mean, as long as there's cake. Right? That's the most important thing. Um, So let's just dive in. Let's do this. So we start off Raw in the only way that that one could start off a Raw um, after a pay-per-view in which there was a big time post-injury return. Um, With said returnee taking the stage, Seth Rollins came out to a huge ovation. Um, as I was talking about yesterday um, in my Extreme Rules Roundup, that just a kind of general sigh of relief, I feel like, uh, from people of uh, someone coming out who is over, who the crowd are reacting to in the appropriate way, who the crowd respect, uh, and who um, kind of got jacked over by uh, booking last year as well. A lot of people thought that he was booked very weakly, uh, as he uh, alludes to in his, um, in his promo. Um, but essentially someone coming out who they could feasibly see uh, knocking off Roman Reigns, um, which is cause for celebration um, for the vast majority of people. So he comes out uh, really soaking it in, really enjoying it um, and having a lot of fun with it, which I imagine it must be like, especially for a heel. I do think it would be more fun to be a heel generally, but just getting those moments like that where it's like everybody's cheering for you. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's going to be difficult to say that that's anything other than uh, pretty special. Um, but then he immediately turned on everybody, which I thought was very good. Um, cause I do, I do hate that when a, a, someone turns like a heel becomes a face or a face becomes a heel and they just change their character completely. A bad guy becomes a good guy and he's all of a sudden he's like, Hey, yeah, cheer for me, cheer for me. I'm a good guy. It's like, that's not the character. And then the same with a a good guy becoming a bad guy. Um, and then immediately becoming a complete pussy and not wanting to fight anybody. And I just think like, come on, come on, let's keep some, some, vein of character going through both of them I understand you have to change a little bit um, but come on let's let's try and stay true to who the, the people are reacting to um, yeah so he turned on them which is good and <laughs> amazing because you knew it's got to be something pretty harsh to uh, turn all those cheers into jeers and I don't think he really succeeded 100% there was still a lot of people cheering for him but to say that when he was out he received a lot of fan mail and he just put it all in a bin and set it on fire I just thought that was hilariously over the top and uh, very appropriate and uh, pretty funny um, so yeah he's he's officially the bad guy um, designate bad guy but then Roman Reigns comes out and everybody's booing him more I don't understand it um, so he comes out uh, Seth Rollins gets out of the ring then Shane McMahon comes down um, still dressing like a weird kind of 20 year old hobo I, I don't like the way he dresses but that's neither here nor there I suppose and then everyone starts chanting chanting I guess to Shane you still got it I'm like what how what where's that chant come from why are you chanting he's still got it? Still got what? The ability to talk on the microphone? Because if it's, a, you know, you still got it in terms of in-ring action, which is generally um, when people 
start that chant. He's, like, he's not wrestling. Why are you weird? I, I thought the Baltimore crowd was a bit weird. There were some bits that they were really quiet on and some bits they were kind of chanting weird stuff for. And yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of them, um, if I'm honest. Although these days you never know how much of that is like production turning up the mics or turning down the mics or whatever. So um, I guess you can never really trust that. But yeah, not not an amazing crowd this week. Um, so then, yeah, and basically Shane sets up the the match that we all knew was going to happen. Um, Roman versus Seth uh, for Money in the Bank, which is happening in four weeks' time, um, which will be good. Um, oh, I really hope that Rollins wins. I really hope he does. Um, it's very possible that he won't, but I really hope that he does. But we'll see how that kind of storyline develops, I suppose. Um, then uh, they mention a huge amount, an absurd amount of uh, Money in the Bank matches, uh, qualifying matches, which is, a, which is a great idea. I kind of feel like they overloaded it. I kind of feel like we could have passed out, you know, the the um, spread it out a little bit over the coming weeks. Had you know, maybe have one on SmackDown so somebody watches SmackDown ever. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a little bit top loaded. Um, you don't need to get every single qualifying match at because at the moment they've got five of the seven people are already in the match, which seems a little bit strange to me. I don't know. Um, the first of which um, was Sami Zayn and Sheamus. Seamus obviously having a go at Zayn for not even being American. He's a Canadian. He's not even American. Like Seamus. Um, so yeah, he comes out. Uh, JBL says that Seamus um, claims that Seamus is a Super Bowl champion, which is wrong. He's making an illusion as though, you know, Sami Zayn is like someone who gets to the Super Bowl but doesn't actually win the title. Uh, unlike Seamus, who is a Super Bowl champion. No, he's like a Super Bowl champion. It's it's a simple wordplay. It's a simple, it's a simile, John. What it is, it's a simile. Using like or as means that you're comparing the two. It's we're not. It's not a metaphor. You're not saying Seamus is a Super Bowl champion. Okay, so just 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 get that right. Um, it was a decent match. It always is. Um, they didn't have amazing chemistry, uh, but they did they did well. Um, and Zayn. Uh, Ended up with the finish. It was a nice finish um, in the end um, with a nice kind of halluva kick out of nowhere, which is good because a lot of the time it's very, very choreographed and um, he very rarely hits it. So it's nice to see um, a halluva kick yeah, out of nowhere and um, getting the victory. So Sami Zayn is in the Money in the Bank ladder match, which is good. That's the best. That's the best of those two. Who do you want in a ladder match? Obviously, you want Sami Zayn in there. So that's good. Um, Seamus is very upset afterwards, though. Very, very upset. Um, which is good. And they did refer to it as an upset, um, the commentators, which is good, trying to build up Seamus again after the debacle of um, League of Nations. Um, so, that, yeah, so that's good. And then afterwards, Apollo Crews was being interviewed backstage and Seamus beat him up a little bit. Um, so hopefully they're going to get into a little bit of a thing. Uh, then we get the New Day out, uh, as I mentioned before, obviously with uh, a big cake saying it's happy birthday, Raw. Not technically a birthday, but they're funny, so that's fine. But then, they, yeah, they, they, they come out and there's kind of biggies outside the ring and they're saying oh don't throw it in any member of the audience's face and don't throw it in JBL's face and oh are you going to throw it in Byron's face and I'm sitting there thinking what am I watching here am I watching a, is this is this the Chuckle Brothers is this am I watching some kind of circus oh he's going to throw it's like real 70s end of the pier kind of entertainment um, which I thought was strange I mean not entirely unentertaining but just an odd 
Odd decision, I think. Odd decision for them to do that. Um, and they came out and they were going against the social outcasts who obviously got absolutely mullered. I wonder what the plan is for the social outcasts. I wonder if there is any coming back for them because they do, they, they're just jobbers. That's all they are. They're just jobbers. They just get beaten. And so how do you turn that around in the future? I mean, obviously, Adam Rose has, has done the sensible thing by just getting out of there, <laughs> um, just committing a crime so he has to leave. Um, but yeah, how, how do you make... And Bo Dallas is only a young, like, very, very young guy. So how do you make him into a, a kind of a feasible threat to anybody moving forward because obviously you'd want to he's a very charismatic guy he had a great run in NXT so how do you I don't know I just I, I wonder what the logic is of having a group of people get beaten up so badly so frequently and so easily like I don't think that um, Bo Dallas or Curtis Axel even tagged into the match it was just Bo, uh, it was just Heath Slater getting beaten up they did a bow train on the outside that was interrupted by um, Xavier Woods, who did a plancher off the, over the top of the ropes, knocked them out, which looked really good, so that was nice. Uh, and then he later got done by a double-team move by Biggie and Kofi, and then they threw a cake in his face. Um, but yeah, that's just getting bitched out wholeheartedly, um, which is weird. I don't know, I don't know. But the New Day look good, the New Day are always good, so that's always fine. Um, then the Miz and Cesaro come out for a, a qualifying match, um, which was a, a really good match, uh, actually. Um, Miz going after Cesaro's shoulder, Cesaro selling it really, really well, which if you uh, listen to my Extreme Rules uh, podcast last night with uh, Natalia, um, with her selling of her, just it just wasn't good. Natalia and Roman Reigns actually last night both had their opponents go after their knees and didn't sell it at all. And I just think it's such a simple thing, such simple psychology, but it works really, really well. It just looks amazing and really goes such a long way to telling the story. And I think Cesaro is such a, like, such a shame that he doesn't have more charisma in terms of his character. Like he did a bit where he, he told Maurice to talk to the hand when they're outside of the ring. And it's just something a bit awkward about it. Just something a little bit awkward about it. Like your awkward cousin doing it at a family reunion. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's quite funny. But if he was... Because in the ring, I'm not sure that anybody beats him in terms of being crisp. I mean, he made a little bit of a botch this week. He kind of missed his springboard uppercut thing. Um, but that's like the only, I think that's the only botch that I've ever seen him do. Everything else is just super crisp. The the word that I use in my notes for Cesaro more than any other is ridiculous. So many of the things that he does are just ridiculous. The um, vertical suplex kind of cranking down, but without the Miz touching the floor and then just wrenching him back up. I can't. That's a human being who's pretty muscly in the Miz, and he's just picking him up like he's not a human being. Um, absolutely absurd. Uh, but yeah, then Miz went after the arm, which was nice. Did a really nasty kind of arm breaker over the rope, which looked um, yeah really nasty, but was very very good. Um, Cesaro shouldn't maybe have been able to use his finisher, um, but he did, or at least kind of sold it massively after the fact. Um, but he got the win. It's kind of weird to give him a clean victory over the Miz because obviously the Miz is the IC champion um, and should be 
built up in some way. Um, I thought that was maybe a bit of a, a strange decision, but um, yeah, it's not the end of the world. Hopefully, this will mean that Cesaro kind of moves on up because he's not a particularly young man, Cesaro. I kind of feel like he, you know, he should get some kind of main event level push because everybody loves him. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just that lack of charisma holding him back, um, which is a shame. Uh, then we get Seth with an interview backstage. Uh, basically, he used to talk to Steph. He's like, hey, Steph, give me a hug. And she's like, no, you can't hug me anymore. Things have changed around here. You see, I'm releasing an autobiography later in the year, and there's no way that it's going to sell anything if I'm a bad guy. So I've got to be a good guy, which means I can't talk to bad guys. Um, when... In reality, she should be able to give him a hug because he hasn't done anything particularly heelish since he's been back. Um, and why would... I, it just seemed unnecessary, entirely unnecessary um, to have that um, there. And just, yeah, like really... just It's so obvious that it's all about her book, that it's about the book and, and that's why she has to turn face and be a good guy, which is... Um, yeah, I just uh, just makes me a bit uncomfortable. Um, and also, he's the big badass coming back, like super over crazy, crazy. And then the per- she just disses him, she just like shuts him down and emasculates him. Like, how does how is that a good idea for building up your your main guy? I don't understand that. I don't understand that at all. Um, then we get uh, Jericho coming out um, with Apollo Cruz uh, facing Apollo Cruz. Jericho had plasters on his back. Uh, from the thumbtacks, which looked amazing, really, really cool. Um, and then Cruz, at one point, was like going after the injuries, like going after his back and like punching the plasters. Jericho was really silly. I was like, this is amazing. This is a brilliant, like, lovely bit of psychology. Obviously, you'd go after, you know, an injury. That makes a lot of sense. And also, just credit to Jericho. Can we give him a little bit of credit? Because, the you know, obviously landing on the thing of thumbtacks isn't necessarily the most kind of hardcore thing you can do in a wrestling ring these days obviously people go fucking crazy in barbed wire and light tubes and all of that kind of stuff but difference between them and Chris Jericho is they don't have to wrestle again on national TV like less than 24 hours afterwards like that's gotta give them a lot of credit there for getting massively banged up taking a crazy like incredible looking bump um, and then coming back and wrestling the next day um it was kind of botched the the ending um Jericho went for a lion sort and Cruz was supposed to kind of nip up and get out the way I guess uh, but he didn't do it quick enough and Jericho kind of clobbered him with his legs so that was a bit awkward um and then he was talking to Jericho quite a lot in the match it was quite clear when he was communicating with him which is a shame I, it's it's understandable because obviously this is by far and away the biggest match that Apollo Cruz has been in going against Chris Jericho um but yeah, just a bit of a shame that it, it didn't kind of go better for him. Um, and that Jericho won clean, which at, at the time I was like, oh, that seems really weird because you should be trying to build up Apollo Crews. He's been on a bit of a tear. He's still on a winning streak. This is his first loss. Um, so that's a bit unusual to just have it go so unceremoniously. Um, but then afterwards, I think I thought, well, they were probably doing the thing of you know, because Seamus beat him up in the back and that's probably why. But then he wasn't selling anything. He wasn't selling any kind of injury. Like if you, like if Seamus threw him into the thing and then he comes out and he's got his ribs taped up or something, even something as simple as that gives you a kind of visual reason of like, oh, this is why he's lost. Absolutely fine. No worries. It was his first loss, but it's because of Seamus. Now he can have a go at Seamus and they have a little feud and they have a match at Money in the Bank, which I assume is what will happen anyway. Um, 
because then they cut to Seamus and he had a bit of a chuckle to himself and he even laughed to himself. Um, but yeah, I thought the not a great match um, for Apollo Crews, which is a shame because, like I say, it was a big, you know, a lot of eyes on him, biggest match of, uh, of his career so far. Um, then we get fucking Darren Young and Bob Backlund out again doing the same. It's the same segment that um, was on SmackDown last week, just repeating it, just repeating it, assuming that nobody watches SmackDown, just, oh, I'll just put the same old bollocks on again. I, I don't understand, I mean, I kind of understand what they're doing with the, the, the kind of thing of, you know, it's a bit of a comedy thing, and Darren Young's got nothing to do, and it's fun to bring in a crazy old person and have him shout at them, but why are they doing the thing where it's split screen? It makes no sense whatsoever. And in like, from a from a storytelling point of view, it makes it awkward because the conversation doesn't flow. And from a kayfabe point of view, it doesn't make any sense either because it's like, well, why are they not looking at each other? Why are they in different rooms? Why are they doing this by video link? It makes no sense at all. Uh, and each one is worse than the one before. Stupid. Um, really, yeah, <laughs> annoying, as I'm sure you can tell. Um, then we have uh, Corbin backstage having an interview. And then fucking Dolph Ziggler comes up again. And they're going to wrestle again. As soon as Ziggler um, came up, I just wrote, no exclamation mark, never wrestle again, exclamation mark. Like, they've Corbin isn't allowed to wrestle anybody else. That's the rules. That's the law of the land. Um, It's just like, let's just cut it short, shall we? Let's just nip it in the bud. I mean, not even nip it in the bud. Let's just nip it in the dying rose that it is. Um, They shouldn't be wrestling again. It makes no sense. Like, I think next week they're going to be doing like a technical showcase. You you beat me because it's a no DQ, but it's in a technical match. You would be able to... Blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, who cares? Because it, he has already beaten you in a straight one-on-one match on Raw a couple of weeks ago. So why are we doing it again? Just just pick someone else to fight. Fuck. Um, and then Big Cass comes out. Everybody cheers. Points. And then Enzo comes out and everybody cheers even more, which is great. Lovely to see him back. Um, good that it wasn't too, he wasn't out too long, so obviously wasn't that serious a concussion. Um, possibly lost some of his motor skills, though, because he dropped his fucking microphone off the side of the stage, which is a shame. Um, and then he comes out and does a promo, and he is very funny. I do like him. I do like him with his promos. There's it's always something different, and it's generally something funny, which is rarely a thing that you can say uh, in professional wrestling. So, um, yeah, big fan of him. But then I always often do feel a bit sorry for Big Cass because whenever Enzo's out there, you kind of get the sense that he's he's got a very vague script that he's working to and he's like, okay, so I'm going to say something about this and then you come in with your line. And Cass always, especially this week, just looks so nervous. I'm like, right, am I, am I talking now? Shall I, is it now? Shall I talk now? Are you, are you I, no, you go, you go. Um, so maybe they need to work out some kind of system so that Big Cass knows when to speak. I don't know. Um, but they come out, give a little promo, and then it's Cass versus Bubba. Um, and Cass just kind of beats the shit out of Bubba again. It's just like, what What are we doing here? Again, like Extreme Rules, What what's the point in having any kind of feud between these two teams, which could be built up to be a, a, a feud and have them have a blow-off match at Money in the Bank, maybe even a tables match or something, you know, because they have already fought each other one-on-one, uh, one on one, two-on-two, and just in a straight match for the qualifying for the number one contendership for um, Extreme Rules. So they've already fought each other. Enzo and Cass have already won, clean. And then since Enzo's been out, 
Cass has beaten probably, I can't even remember, probably Devon, probably Bubba. Now he's beaten Bubba. Then he's beaten both of them up at the same time. That There could be no, this should have been a great opportunity for, yeah, Enzo's back. Isn't this great? And then the Dudleys beat them both up. Like, that makes a lot more sense to kind of build up, oh, right, okay, so... And you can even play on the concussion, maybe, him clutching his head. They did it in the Royal Rumble 2001 um, when the Dudleys had concussions going into their match against Edge and Christian. Edge and Christian go after the heads. And it's just a simple thing to kind of build that story and build it up for, for Money in the Bank. But as it is, if they have a tag team match between them, it's like, well, why are we watching this? Because Enzo and Cass are obviously going to win. There's no there's no build-up for Bubba Ray and Devon, um, which I thought was weird. I don't get the, the booking there. I think it's stupid. And also, if Enzo's all right on Monday... Why did he not come back at Extreme Rules? Why did Big Cass not come out, pick a fight with the Dudleys, diss ECW, um, and then the Dudleys turn the tables on him, start beating him up, and then Enzo comes out? Wouldn't that have made more sense and have a bit more of a kind of fanfare about it as opposed to just coming out and being a manager? I don't know. I don't know. Not particularly well booked there. I didn't like that. Um, and then... Mm, okay. We have Charlotte coming out. Um, with Dana Brooke and with old Richard Flair. Old Dickie Flair. Um, and Rick took the mic at the beginning and looked very bewildered, as he often is, um, and kind of cut a fairly rambling thing where he was praising Charlotte and saying that she was the best. And, oh, when she was little, she always used to have her hand in the cookie jar and stuff. And then said that he was really proud because she's got herself uh, someone like Arn Anderson. Fucking comparing Dana Brooke to Arn Anderson. Are you fucking nuts? Are you nuts? Nothing against Dana Brooke. I'm sure she's a lovely person. And I'm sure she's got a, a long and storied career ahead of her. But she's not fucking Arn Anderson. Jesus Christ. Um, and then Charlotte got the mic. And it was weird. Really, really weird. So, as you'll know, if you listen to... Um, yesterday's uh, podcast or if you watched yesterday's podcast uh um, you'll know that I had a bit of an issue with the way that the women's title match was booked last night with Dana Brooke coming in all of that kind of bollocks Um, and I said it would be a great opportunity for Charlotte to come out maybe have some shenanigans but no actual other physical help um, and to win it on her own and to build which builds her up as a champion um, which says that she's a worthy champion, which is absolutely fine. Knocks Natalia down a little bit, but again, she's on Total Divas. It doesn't matter. Nobody respects her anyway. Um, and then she can come out on Monday night and cut the promo that she cut, and it would make a lot more sense. So obviously she's out there saying, oh, I don't need you, Dad. I don't... And it just kind of came out of nowhere. Again, it's like I said yesterday, I hope they have a plan, and this kind of proved that no, they didn't. They did not have a plan at all. Why did that happen now? Why does she think, oh, I don't need my dad because I've got a, a young blonde woman near me. So I don't need Ric Flair anymore. Just made no sense. Made absolutely no sense for the timing of it. And it went on so long. It went on so long. And it's going to be an awkward segment anyway. A daughter telling her legitimate real life dad that he's dead to her. That's going to be an awkward moment, of course. And especially when Ric Flair starts crying like convincingly crying because he always cries um but i just thought that was oh, a little bit weird 
little bit weird um, and went on far too long and was really uncomfortable. And if I'm honest, I couldn't watch all of it. I had to fast forward through part fix. It's just like, oh, don't tell a 70-year-old man that he's dead to you. That's, ooh, you're going to regret that in a couple of years. Um, then we have Ziggler and Ambrose come out um, who tried to do a kind of a technical kind of catch-as-catch-can wrestling, like reversals and stuff at the beginning, which didn't really work. I thought it was a bit strange. Obviously, I guess to try and build up the fact that Ziggler's a technical wrestler, which hasn't really been a thing that he's had before, but um, I guess building up for their match next week. Um, their match was all right. It was fine. It had some nice near falls towards the end, um, although Ambrose completely no-sold a super kick, which I never like. Like, no-sell it, and so he obviously no-sold it, did his little kind of spring back into the ropes thing in a big clothesline, but then sell the super kick. Like, I can absolutely suspend my disbelief enough to say he got kicked in the head, but he was just running on adrenaline and was able to do a massive kind of haymaker clothesline, but then the pain comes to him. Like, he just put off the pain as opposed to didn't feel it at all. Because didn't feel it at all just makes no sense. This is wrestling. If you don't feel pain, then you're just going to win every match. Anyway, that was a little minor quibble, I suppose. Um, But Ambrose won clean. Um, which I guess makes sense if they're wanting him to, I guess, in a couple of months down the line, probably building up to a Shield reunion triple threat match for the title, um, which I think would be pretty good. So he's got to be built up as a, as a legit threat um, and will probably be screwed out of the Money in the Bank uh, match as a result of that. Um, then we have uh, Rick leaving the, the building, um, doing some great acting again. Some uh, some tears, some uh, legit tears from Rick walking past some people in the back, some Zack Riders and um, uh, Titus O'Neils and Arn Anderson. It looked like Rick went in for a hug and Arn was like, come on, dude, I'm not going to hug you, which is a little bit awkward. Uh, and then he entered an exit because uh, they had exit written on the door, but it was on the inside of the door and, I don't know, not really well thought out there by WWE. Um, then the fucking Shining Stars came out, or not came out, they were just on a pre-taped vignette because they're not worth coming out uh, into the actual arena. And they were like, hey, people loved it. Did you hear the crowd last week uh, with our debut? Oh, yeah, it was really, really good. Um, no, nobody heard. That's wrong, patently wrong. Um, nobody heard the crowd because they were silent, because they didn't care. And then they like, oh, we're going to offer, you know, an extended invitation to the entire WWE universe or locker room. And I was like, okay, so then maybe... I." offering an open challenge or something or some kind of thing that blah, blah, blah. and they're like hey come to Puerto Rico I was like wouldn't you doing this a few weeks ago before you sullied our TV with your uninspiring um, intro was what what the what is the point of that what is the point of that why are we wasting even 30 seconds of our Monday Night Raw yes it's three hours yes it's too long anyway but why are we wasting any part of it with the Shining Stars if you're not going to have them in a match don't have them at all because the vignettes are obviously not working. And I feel like I'm very angry this week. I feel like I'm, I'm getting pretty angry about this. Maybe just tired. Probably just tired from editing last night. Um, then we have AJ Styles coming out. Cutting the one thing that could make people boo AJ Styles. Which is a pro-Roman Reigns promo. Hey, Roman Reigns, is, he's, he's one of the best people I've faced. And everyone's like, fuck you. <laughs> no way is he. Um, that's a complete lie. Uh, and then the club come out, this dissension, um, and then they just kind of split up. And it was all just a bit, it was all just done. Um, which was a shame, I thought, 
to hope that they must be doing more with that. That can't be the end of it. There must be more with that. Um, yeah, he said he said to the club that we're done. And then Carl Anderson said to him, yeah, we're not just done in a professional sense. We're not friends anymore, which seemed very six-year-old boyish. You're not coming to my birthday party anymore, AJ Styles. Fuck you. Not that the swearing would be a part of the young child's... Th- you know, um, and then we have uh, our final match, um, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens, which was great. Uh, as exactly as great as you would expect from AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. They would give it a bit more time than everybody else. Uh, they were allowed to, to kind of mix it up a little bit. The ring steps came into it quite a lot. They used them in uh, a couple of fun spots. There was a lovely spot um, where AJ Styles goes for his beautiful drop kick and Kevin Owens holds onto the ropes and he's like, ah, oh, clever heel. And then he runs against the ropes and AJ Styles does it anyway. Just a great, li- just a little moment in it. And I, I really liked, I thought that the, the Styles was amazing in this match, as he often is, at just the great storytelling of getting that frustration out. Like, this seemed like the kind of match that someone would have on a pay-per-view when you've built up their feud for a bit. Like, he really wanted to hurt Kevin Owens. And you get the sense that, it's, that that's just a general frustration. He lost last night. He's not friends with his friends anymore. Like, frustration's coming out, which is absolutely perfect. And Kevin Owens <laughs> shouts at one point, interrupting Michael Cole, which was the funniest thing about it. Um, shouts out, shut up, Cole, I can hear you from here. And he did shut up. And I genuinely laughed out loud at that. I thought that was very, very funny. I love that he hates Michael Cole because he's just a, he's, he's a smart kind of dream that he knows everybody hates Michael Cole anyway. So if he hates Michael Cole, that's a great way of getting on everybody's good side. Um, wonderful absolutely wonderful there was a perfect 450 splash from AJ there was a lovely end where he kind of went for a springboard Kevin Owens got out the way it looked like he was reacting in real time which isn't often the case with these kind of things um, and then he got the powerbomb on the um, stairs on the outside which was pretty nasty um, and then yeah Kevin Owens won clean uh, ultimately I, I thought the club would get involved in some way um, and cost AJ the title because obviously Kevin Owens has to be in the money in the back man bank match because Sami Zayn is so I'm very very glad that he is so it was obviously that that, that AJ was going to lose but I thought that they would continue that story a little bit more than they did it's weird to have him losing clean to Kevin Owens because I would have thought that he's maybe a a step below Um, it's good that he lost I think but clean seems a bit weird building up um, Kevin Owens massively though that he just beat the guy who was who's competed in the main event of the last two pay-per-views. That's a big thing for Kevin Owens. Um, overall, I thought it was a good it was a good raw. Um, it was uh, yeah, it felt important because of the Money in the Bank qualifying matches. Like I say, it might have done them a little bit of a favour to spread them out a little bit as opposed to just having five of them straight off the bat. Um, some questionable booking, which is a shame. Uh, but the in-ring action um, from Owens and Styles and, and Miz and Cesaro. Uh, and parts of Ziggler and Ambrose as well, uh, and Zayn and Sheamus. A couple of decent matches, and then a couple of good matches, which for a Raw, for a free you know TV show, is pretty good. Leads us into what's coming in the future. Um, yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. A couple of weird bits, but overall, positive Raw. Greetings, greetings, greetings of interest. Who won? Who jumped? Also the match of the night. Thing of interest... Number one, Seth Rollins slash Roman Reigns. It's going to be very interesting to see on the run-up 
um, to their Money in the Bank match, what's going to happen with these two? Because at the moment, Seth Rollins is the bad guy that everybody's cheering, and Roman Reigns is the good guy that everybody hates. Oh my God, I hate you, Roman. I hate you, I wish you would die. So could this be, could this possibly be, um, them building up for a Money in the Bank infamous double turn match, uh, done most successfully, most infamously, um, at WrestleMania 13 in the submission match between Bret Hart and Steve Austin, the one at the end where he's like, bleh, bleh, blood, bleh. Austin turned face, Bret Hart turned heel, and everyone was like, ah, that's amazing. Could they be doing the same thing here? Who knows? Who knows? But it's going to be very interesting to see how this all develops. Thing of interest too, Corbin slash Ziggler. Still, the criticism that a lot of people had, including myself, of Extreme Rules is that it was very much just a kind of retreading of payback. Corbin, Ziggler, all four of the Intercontinental title match people, Charlotte, Natalia, AJ Styles, Roman Reigns. There were a lot of rematches and most of them have now hit the bricks. Like, yeah, let's move on to new things, except Corbin and Ziggler, which is the one that possibly people were most ready to be over because they'd already fought each other plenty of times. They fought each other on Raw a few weeks back with Corbin getting what seemed to be a decisive victory at the time, but now it just seems to be going to be dribbling on like an old dead dog's dick. So why are they still fighting? Why did the initial push for Baron Corbin, he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, that should be a big thing, but now it's just, and I don't really understand why, because he hasn't really done anything wrong. They haven't had any bad matches per se, not particularly spectacular matches, but no bad matches. And so it seems weird that they're continuing with this and not trying to freshen it up by putting him in a program with somebody else. So that's a bit of a strange one. Thing of interest three, you can't be in my club anymore. Um, The club, broke up. They threw their toys out of the pram and they went, meh, you're not friends with me. Legitimate quote, we're not friends anymore. Six-year-old much? <laughs> now this is a storyline that a lot of people have been interested in because of course the Bullet Club, the thing that the club is based on, I guess, back in Japan, had Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, AJ Styles, and amongst other people, Finn Balor who is currently um, scheduled to face Samoa Joe at the beginning of June in a steel cage match, the first ever steel cage match in NXT history. Now, if he loses that, as most people assume that he will, that will leave the door open for him coming up. But then how do they bring him into the mix? Does he side with the club and AJ Styles has to find a couple of buddies? Or does he side with AJ Styles and they create an incredible tag team, which would be amazing? (sighs) They should do that. Whatever they do, hopefully it's going to be interesting. Um, but I did think it was a bit strange that they that the club didn't interfere in AJ Styles' match last night with Kevin Owens. I thought that would be a good way to kind of kick off the feud. This is a proper thing. They really don't like each other. Because at the moment, for all we know, there's not going to be any more mention of it, which would be a huge shame. Um, and not unprecedented for WWE, although unlikely. Fingers crossed they've got a plan. Jobber of the night. Now, this one could have gone a few different places. Could have gone to either one of the Dudley boys because they got bitched out by Big Cass on his own pretty much again. Could have gone to the social outcasts because they got beaten up again, but it just seems like that's their job to get beaten up, so they're kind of doing their job right. Could have gone to AJ Styles, really, because after losing last night and needing a big boost to get him back in the kind of main event picture, but instead he lost to Kevin Owens, who last night lost his match to fight for the Intercontinental title. So that really is a step down. But ultimately, the jobber of the night last night, Apollo Crews. He loses clean to Chris Jericho, who last night got put through hell. So a weakened Chris Jericho 
lost to Apollo Crews. Now, Sheamus had beaten him up just before, but he didn't really sell that in the match. So even if that was the reason that they were giving for it, he didn't really commit to that well enough. He botched a couple of things in the match. He was talking to Jericho quite loudly. Um, Overall, it wasn't a particularly good performance for what was ultimately his biggest match in the WWE so far against a, a former world champion in Chris Jericho. So jobber of the night, unfortunately, Apollo Crews. Champion of the night, Again, this could have gone to a couple of different places. Cesaro, always great. Seth Rollins could have been again because he he did everything that he needed to very well, although he did get bitched out by Steph a little bit. Could have gone to Enzo because he had a huge ovation, so the crowd have lost absolutely no interest in him. So that's a really big positive for him. Could be Charlotte because she obviously had a very strong showing. Could also be Ric Flair because he he was kind of treated like a huge deal. And when he left, he was walking past wrestlers in the in the back. So that seems like a quite quite a big thing. So he seemed like a very big deal. But the champion of the night, uh, as he's the champion of quite a few nights because he's fucking awesome, Kevin Owens. K.O. Kevin Owens. Him and AJ Styles had an incredible match. He qualified for the Money in the Bank match. He looked great doing it. It was the match of the night. Really lots of kind of high-flying stuff told a really good story and ultimately triumphed in the main event of Raw against a main eventer. Like that's a really big kind of boost for him and a really good show of the confidence I think that the WWE uh, have in him uh, to be able to carry things going forward. So champion, definitely Kevin Owens. Match of the night, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. I ruined that, didn't I? I should have done it the other way around. Match of the night, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens. It was a great match, lots of back and forth, told a really good story. AJ Styles was a really good storyteller in this match, really showing the frustration from losing last night, from breaking up with his best friends. He did an incredible job. Kevin Owens did an incredible job, as he always does. Um, And together they work really, really well. So absolutely, as much as uh, the Miz and Cesaro match uh, was very, very good as well. Um, Yeah, Styles and Owens absolutely takes the cake, which is good, as it should be. Main event, is match of the night. So that's it um, for another grapple pie, another slice of grapple pie. Uh, Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know, please. I know nobody who talks about wrestling. I'd love to talk about wrestling with somebody, so let me know um, uh, in the comments on the YouTube video. Uh, Let me know uh, my website, danielswan.squarespace.com. Let me know on Twitter or Instagram, at palugin, P-A-L-O-O-G-I-N. Let me know on Facebook, Facebook dot com forward slash the Daniel Swan or even just send me an email danielswan41 at gmail.com thank you so much for listening thank you so much for watching and I hope you come back and uh, listen slash watch again uh, until then my name is Daniel Swan and it's been another slice of grapple pie cheers cheers